to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. The 1-1 to Brantley. A swing and a fly ball, deep left field. This is a game winner. It'll get over the head of Benintendi. Base hit. Tribe wins it. Michael Brantley does it again. There's your brand new Houston Astro. Two years, $32 million, but he cost absolutely no prospects. Robert along with Houston Sports Talk's George Springer, RG Seal. And what did you think of Jeff Luno's new Christmas gift he grabbed off eBay? But you're leading off the show, so George Springer or somebody else. Anyway, uh, hey, uh, good to be with you today, uh, Robbie. I, I always like to uh, talk to you around Christmas time, too, here especially. Like you said, gifts under the tree, so... Uh, I guess you pulled yourself away from the Hallmark Channel, though, for this, right? Hey, you know what? I, I didn't expect uh, the Astros to finally get something done. I, I, I felt like this was going to be one of those another long wait of an offseason. We're going to wait till the Gar- Garrett Cole type thing. But I, I think that's a, that's a pretty good move. I mean, first impressions on Brantley. Great move. I remember uh, you asked me a few shows ago, hey, what, who would you like to add to the Astros? And I said, Michael Brantley. I mean, before the express reason that the Astros are a very right-handed oriented lineup. We've talked about this with George Springer, Alex Bregman, uh, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, even uh, Ulyeski Gurriel. And then you just are losing probably Marwin Gonzalez. He's going to be gone in free agency, it looks like, who was a switch hitter who could hit from the left side. So what was your glaring need? You really need to have a left-hander in that lineup just to give different mix, different looks. And also the Astros they were a very good team hitting right-handed versus lefty pitching. They were middle of the pack uh, against uh, right-handed pitching. So to have an all-star left-handed bat, this is really a great move. The only concern with Michael Brantley is, of course, his health history because in 2016, he had just 11 games that he played. In 2017, 90 games that he played. So there's a history of injuries with Michael Brantley. But I think with the Astros, where they have him right now, he's another guy that they can plug into different positions. They can play the outfield, of course. He can be a first baseman, and he can also DH. So, you know, maybe they can save some of the wear and tear off of there. But if he's just coming in, I mean, his numbers, uh, even just last year hitting in that Cleveland lineup, you know, he had a, a 364 OBP, 468 slugging percentage. He had uh, 17 home runs. But most importantly, he really makes contact, too. So he was up there with Alex Bregman as one of the best, you know, guys in the league as far as, as swinging strikes. So uh, I think, again, having this kind of guy who makes contact, will get on base and, and can hit from the left side, just exactly what the Astros need in their lineup. Three-time All-Star, 295 hitter. He played in 143 games for the Indians last season. You mentioned it after having those surgeries on his right shoulder and right ankle. Uh, 11 games in 2016, just 90 games in 2017. But over those last three seasons, he had an 860 OPS against right-handed pitchers and a 692 OPS versus lefties. Last year, the Astros had a 733 OPS versus lefties, or versus righties, I should say, which ranked uh, 13th in Major League Baseball. And, of course, that's what he's going to help you with because the Astros were 803, their OPS against lefties, which was the best in Major League Baseball. So, like you said, that that was the weakness that you had to take care of with Michael Brantley. And, RG, I mean, you look at this lineup, where does he fit in? Oh, he fits in great. I mean, he can, you know, he's a middle of the lineup bat. 
Where do you put I mean, him? you could put him. He, he batted, remember in the playoffs, he was batting behind Francisco Lindor in the two-hole. I mean, he can spray the ball in the field. I mean, he's he's a doubles machine. So he's somebody that could hit, you know, two, three, four, five, wherever you want to kind of slot him in right there. Uh, and, and that's, again, why I think he's very valuable, because you can kind of mix it up righty-lefty, and that gives A.J. Hinch just a little bit more flexibility right there. And remember, too, that when the Astros were really great in 2017, they had a historic lineup, and, and they were able to get that offensive production. Of course, they had a historic pitching staff in 2018, and, and that still needs to be addressed this offseason but if you can get back what Jeff Luno is doing right now is, is strengthening that lineup again because of the injury history with some of the players, including Michael Brantley. But if you have a strong enough lineup uh, where that you can do it like when you had a, a weaker pitching staff in 2017, get to the regular get through the regular season, maybe acquire another pitcher at the trading deadline, but at least have that strong, potent lineup that's difficult one through nine because Last season we saw, I mean, it was back to the Astros of where it was like one through six and then seven, eight, nine struggled a little bit more. So, I mean, it's basically rounding out the lineup right now. But uh, Jeff Luno's work isn't done. And in fact, I want to ask you about that. There's been potentially with this overcrowded outfield situation right now where the Astros might be looking to move one of their players. And it's been rumored that, again, the Astros are in the mix for JT Real Muto. And because of acquiring Michael Brantley here in free agency, he could uh, Kyle Tucker could again be part of a package because there's a, a crowded outfield situation. But there have also been rumors, as uh, Ken Rosenthal reported, that the Astros have been trying to peddle Josh Reddick. So, I mean, what would you do in this situation with the Astros' overcrowded outfield? I'm not married to Josh Reddick, but yeah, the, the tweet that I saw from Joe Frasaro, who covers the Marlins for MLB.com, he said the Astros are back in the mix for Real Muto. Like you said, Kyle Tucker remains a target for a potential deal. The Padres also have interest along with the Dodgers, Rays, and more. Hard to say if there is a front runner at this point, multiple teams involved. I, I guess my thing with Kyle Tucker is, you know, I'm just so not impressed, but at the same time, when you look at the Astros outfield, if you look at Josh Reddick and George Springer, now with Michael Brantley, you got three guys that uh, have contracts that are ending at 2020, no later than 2020. So if you deal Kyle Tucker, who's going to play outfield if some of those guys aren't going to sign with you? And it's likely that they wouldn't want to invest long-term in some of those players. So I, I don't know uh, if Kyle Tucker is going anywhere. I still kind of question that with all the, you know, Jeff Luno talk about he he just don't want to touch that guy. He's he's he seems to still be in love with him. Well, I think a lot of people are, and you you forget. I mean, I know you watched him a little bit in you know during the regular season, and he struggled, and he had that those you know, but he he hasn't you know had a lot of major league at bats yet. He's he's taken an adjustment at every level. If you look at him, like even you know when he got to Double A and Triple A, there was an adjustment there, and then he dominated at it. And remember how just how he tore apart in spring training. I know it's spring training, but you saw the potential there. So he's a guy that could, you know, potentially you can, you know, like you said, in a few years, this guy could be a stalwart in the Astros outfield. So uh, you have to think carefully about doing that. And the teams that are bidding in this, the Dodgers, deep farm system with a lot of players almost ready for the big leagues, and also the Padres, deep farm system with a lot of players ready for the big leagues. So you might have to overpay in order to get JT Real Muto. So the Marlins are in a good position if those are the teams that are rumored to be in there for it. As far as uh, uh, Josh Reddick, 
that's somebody I would be looking to deal. I, I mean, I like the guy from a team chem- chemistry standpoint, uh, but with his contract and uh, I mean, we know his stats last year. I, uh, he was uh, hit a, uh, 242, I believe, last season uh, for the Astros. So he's he's on the kind of downside, or you would have to say at his age, going to be 32 next year with his contract. And the fact that he's really now, wouldn't you say, an eight or a nine hitter in the Astros lineup? So for somebody who's going to be making that type of money, if the Astros could potentially deal him, they would probably have to deal like a, a young prospect, or because I don't think anybody's going to want to take Josh Reddick, especially with. The, the type of players that are out there available. I, I hate to say it, but he's Jake. He's a left-handed Jake Marizic, or he was a left-handed right, Jake Marizic right. last year. Right, right. So, I mean, if, if, you, if you were to trade him, you'd have to put in a top prospect, and then maybe somebody, okay, we'll take Josh Reddick because he's a valuable kind of veteran, but, you know, we'll take that. What we really want to trade for is that prospect that you're dangling there. So there may be something that way that's worked out, but it's going to be very difficult to deal him. But that would be kind of the guy I'd be looking at, and, you know, creating room for Kyle Tucker. Because like you said, with George Springer coming up and for free agency and, and uh, Michael Brantley and then I'll try to, you know, that the Astros, you know, they, they also want to have some guys that they can still you know, build around because a lot of these guys are going to be hitting free agency, but they also want to win right now. Right, right. Uh, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. Um, just one last thing on Brantley. I, I thought I'd bring up since it's Christmas and this is kind of an interesting story. It's worth noting that his dad... Uh, when he was 10 years old, taped up the back window of his room at his house. So uh, Brantley couldn't see the backyard. When he woke up Christmas Day, there was a batting cage in his backyard. And the batting cage had a pitching machine, which was the exact same one that Keith Hernandez and Daryl Strawberry had once used at the Mets spring training complex. So that's how we ended up with the Michael Brantley that we have today. And for those who don't know, uh, Mickey, Michael's dad, played for the Mariners in the late 80s. So uh, what you might look for when you watch Michael Brantley at the plate is some of the little attributes that uh, his dad taught him from the great hitters that he grew up, or I guess he watched, uh, like there's the little Barry Bonds head turn that he taught Michael Brantley. Just something to for people to watch there, but kind of a cool cool story. You know, Brantley getting in the batting cage when he's 10 years old, that's, that's kind of sweet. Yeah, and he's somebody who's just a, a professional hitter. Again, I mean, he's been an all-star, uh, can r- really uh, do it all at the plate. So uh, to add him to the Astros lineup, it really is the rich getting richer here because, it, I mean, the Astros, you know, were already going to be the favorite in the AL West, even if they just go in right now with Dustin Berlander, Garrett Cole, and, you know, uh, the, rounding out the rest of the staff with youngsters and Colin McHugh and, and their bullpen and just that lineup. I mean, the Astros are going to be a favorite, but to add Michael Brantley to it is, again, you know, and, and Jeff Fluno, his work's not done this offseason. I mean, they're really aiming right now. We know the Astros, they want to win a World Series. They're not content winning an AOS. They're not content getting back to the postseason again. They want to win a World Series, and that has to make Houston fans happy. Any other Astros stuff before we hit to the Red Hot Rockets? I want to get to the Rockets, man. They're hot. They're hot. Or just some other baseball stuff. Uh, were there any stories that you were interested in around MLB right now? Uh, not much. Yeah, you. Where do you think maybe that uh, Bryce Harper will land or Manny Machado? Or do you consider the Mets to be the favorite in the NL East with all the moves that they've been making? <laughs> I guess their GM does. And that the GM, the GM that's with the Mets, isn't he... They they got him and he's not the typical GM. Like what was his 
deal before this? Right. Well, he's Brody Van Wagenen, and he's he's previously he was AJ Jay Hinch's agent. So yeah, he's another guy who's transitioned from being an like a Rob Plink in the NBA, who's now the Lakers. He's a guy who has an agency background, and you know is now going in, and some of the players that he represented, including a Robinson Cano is a, a guy that now that he's in the Met position of being a GM, he's gone out and uh, kind of reacquired. So it's been interesting to uh, see another agent transitioning into the GM position. But in New York, you know, they really want to see, okay, what big splash can you do? I mean, they did get the Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano, and they signed Wilson Ramos, you know. So they've been really making a lot of moves here in order to compete in the NL East. And, I mean, they've also been rumored with the JT Real Muto, but as far as with Wilson Ramos signing there right now, it looks like it really will probably come down to teams like the Astros, the the Rays, the Dodgers, uh, the Padres, like you mentioned. And, again, all of those teams have a really deep farm system. So, to me, it'll be interesting to see. But I, I was curious if you had any kind of guesses where you think maybe Bryce Harper or, or Manny Machado or some of these big free agents will still end up. No, I have no idea. One thing I learned about last season with Major League Baseball and free agency, I have no idea. I, I, I don't know. I mean, can't you make like a guess, though? I mean, during darts and where do you think Dallas Keuchel will end up, though? I, I thought he would have been signed by the Yankees at this point. I, I'm just shocked that Keuchel it wouldn't be going there. Like, if you're the Yankees, you'd look at what he did in New York and think that that's the guy, that's the guy that we could use. I'm just kind of surprised that there, there's not more interest from him. That that's the big thing for me. I mean, it, it, I would hope he goes somewhere else. I don't want to, well, he's been rumored to maybe, I mean, they've been talking about, he could potentially go to the Los Angeles angels as a fit there. Yeah. I hope not, but I, honestly, I'd rather him go there than the Yankees. Cause the Yankees are, you know, that's, that's a team that you're more, a little more scared of if you're the Astros. Well, the Yankees kind of addressed their staff, though. They got Jay Happ. You know, they re-signed him. Of course, they traded for James Paxton. So they have two lefties in their in their pitching staff already. Plus, they have CC Sabathia. So that's three lefties. So to add Dallas Keuchel at this point, if they hadn't signed Jay Happ, that might have been more of a possibility. But they got him. So they have now three lefties in their starting rotation. They still have Louis, Louis Severino and Masahiro Tanaka. And, you know, some other guys, too, that uh, potentially factor in there with the, with the Yankees. And they're going to trade Sonny Gray. Just depends where he ends up. So, uh, you know, the Yankees have been really adding to their pitching staff over over the winter. And I just don't think with that type of money they're they're looking to add in other areas, not not to sign Dallas Keuchel to a long-term deal. At this point, I'd be sur- surprised if that happened. Well, we talked about the green, which was the green that Michael Brantley got. Let's talk about the red, since we can include red and green in a Christmas uh, podcast. But – uh, Rockets, four wins in a row. The Houston Rockets, Red Nation, four wins in a row. That's nice. Great to see them a little bit more focused as a team, RG. Their defense looking like what we saw last year. You know, I'm seeing them fight for every rebound, every loose ball. They're giving consistent effort to fight across screens. Uh, the win streak started, interestingly enough, when Eric Gordon was put into the starting lineup. Not sure if that had much to do with it. But the bench is as co- cohesive. As they've looked this season. Wait, are are you buying the rocket stock now? Because I heard the same thing from you about three weeks ago with like, oh, wow, Gary Clark. I mean, he's really coming in and making an impact with the Rockets and they finally have things turned around right now. And, uh, you know, hey, look, it looks like Harden and, and Chris Paul are finally playing again. And then and then all of a sudden, you know, they go through. Oh, no, it's a bad team again. They aren't the same team as last year. So you really think they've turned the corner this time. You're really positive. I don't know anything with this team, but I'm trying to be in the Christmas spirit, RG. Yeah. 
Well, I'm glad you are. I just I'm just a little bit shocked because a week ago it was almost like, you know, painting the doomsday scenario there. Well, I'm trying. Uh, you know, to me, this comes down to James Harden. And what I didn't see earlier, even when they were winning, is him playing hard on both ends, coming out of the box. In other words, early in the first quarter, and he's giving it everything he's got, not letting go of the rope throughout the game. I mean, that's the difference in, you know, the last three games. I mean, geez, 50 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds, two steals, 32 points, 10 assists, 12 rebounds, two steals, 47 points, five assists, five rebounds, five steals. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. (laughs) Oh, that's excellent. I mean, Chris Paul said this is the best offensive player I've ever seen. And he's played with a lot of great players. He's played across from a lot of great players. So that's a high compliment indeed. I know he's a teammate, but still what James Harden has been able to do. And I know you're the number one kind of like Harden critic, maybe in all of media uh, in Houston. Maybe in Houston. (laughs) Outside of Houston, everybody hates him. So, Well, I'm just saying as a critic, but he's a a wonderful, he's a unique, all-time great offensive player. And I think that, and that's part of the thing about it and, and the reason why he gets energized on the offensive end of the floor. And look what he, like you said, you mentioned it, 50 points against the Lakers. Then he had the triple double and finally finished up with, with uh, 47 versus Utah and almost another 50 point performance. You know, I mean, look, we know he's substandard on defense. We know he has his problems there. But if he's giving you that type of energy and offensive effort, and he shouldn't have to throw up 45 to 50 points per night. He's going to need some help. But this just tells you what a special, gifted player he is. He's basically carrying the Rockets on his back right now because Eric Gordon is still struggling with his shot. Chris Paul has not been the Chris Paul superstar type player uh, that, that we've expected. I mean, it's basically been James Harden, and he's kind of carrying this team, which he should as a superstar. I mean, you're right about that, that he needs to play to superstar level, and maybe he wasn't doing the beginning, but you can't question his effort, his determination, what he's been able to do recently, and he's just a thrill to watch, and we're lucky to have him because if, if I mean, if James Harden, I mean, he turned the Rockets' fortunes around. We, I, you remember all the years with at post-T-Mac and Yao where, you know, the Rockets were a good hustle team, and but they were always – mediocre just barely could get into the playoffs James Harden's come here he turns the tie to the franchise I mean that the Rockets are a power team they're a contender every year because of him so I mean it's time to give him his due it's time to remember hey even with his playoff failures and the things that have gone wrong with James Harden in the playoffs, and, and he has had his games where he's disappeared you know what Kobe Bryant did too occasionally in the playoffs but uh you know uh, Kobe Bryant has rings and so James Harden is still searching for those rings so you have to look at it just as hard He's a great. He's been a great regular season player, and just to get to the playoffs, get that seeding, that's important too. And let's not lose sight of that. Also, it's worth mentioning that you know I, I mentioned the bench earlier. Daniel House, he's been an outright steal. They picked him off the street, uh, just like they picked Gerald Green last year. Nene has solidified the rotation, uh, but I want to get back to House and just this remarkable stat I ran across in eleven games played so far Daniel House's plus minus is plus 58 and that's in only 20 minutes per game he leads all the Rockets players in plus minus Gerald Green believe it or not is plus 42 second among rotation players on the team he's picked it up a notch too and RG check this out Brandon Knight actually scored a basket on Monday night 
Brandon Knight. Brandon Knight, yeah. You have him now in the uh, action with the Rockets. I mean, we thought he was just going to be, you know, put in as part of a deal, right? And that probably will still be the case with uh, Maury shuttling him off somewhere. But, hey, he's making a contribution now, too, getting a whole team involved. And and Mike D'Antoni deepening his bench here, going even further down the line. So, yeah, I mean, that's good to see, too. Favorite Joe Chi memory? Rest in peace, Joe Chi. He's gone. Did you have a memory from Joe? Uh, you know, I, I wish him the best. <laughs> hey, I guess our long discussion about a Trevor Ariza deal with the Lakers was a waste of time last week. He's back with the crazy wizards. He reunites with Dwight. He's lo- so lucky, man. Back with Dwight. <laughs> yeah, a locker room drama back with Dwight. They could have a, a reality show over there, Dwight and Ariza, right? Uh, Dw- Dwight and Trevor. Uh, what would you call it? Would you pitch that to one of the networks and, and go in and see what happens behind the scenes? Oh, I don't miss Dwight at all. Good luck to you, but Dwight. But I, I miss not having Trevor Ariza here. We could still use him. I was like, oh, hoping against hope that maybe the Rockets could find some way to get him. Uh, but the Wizards did. And I guess, you know, hey, I mean, uh, is he eligible to be traded again, potentially? Because, you know, the Wizards are not a very good team. In fact, they play the Rockets. They could trade him, I think, but you can't package somebody else. I want to say that's the rule, but don't quote me on that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I'll quote you on that. You, you're going to put that down right now, right at sworn affidavit? Yeah, that's, that, that's, don't take it to legal. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Texans. Hey, Super Bowl odds. How about this? Where do you think they are? One through 10, one through 20. Like, where are they? The, the best Super Bowl odds. Where, where are the Texans right now amongst all the NFL teams? Oh boy. I mean, you're putting them on the spot right now, like putting pecking order and everything there. But, uh, you know, I mean, I have to say New or- New Orleans is better right now. San Diego chargers are better right now. It's a uh, KC's better. Uh, you know, I, I would still say the Rams overall, I know that they've slumped or better. I mean, but the Texans, I'm not taking anything away from them here right now. I think that they're, a, you know, been a very good football team. You can't string together this many wins after starting the season 0-3. I know they had the, the one loss versus Indianapolis, but that wasn't even a close game. It's funny to me that you're in L.A. and you still make the mistake of calling them the San Diego Chargers. That, oh, that, that, yeah, that's sorry. great. You, you're right. You got the first four right, though. Saints, Rams, Chiefs, Chargers. In that order, uh, the order uh, was one, two, three, four, and then five is the Patriots. And then the Steelers and the Texans are tied for sixth, and they're now 14 to one. Are you willing to go to Vegas and put some money on that one? Yeah, I already, uh, should I admit that? I already put uh, on the Texans to begin the season. I always do a homer bet on them. So uh, when I'm in Las Vegas. What were the odds (laughs) before the season? I think they were something like 18 to one. Wow. I'm surprised that they were that high early. You know, looking at potentially with De- Deshaun Watson coming back and if they squeak into the playoffs. I mean, it's they're not going to make them something like 75 to one, you know, because it's the NFL and it's it's crazy. If you look at uh, what's happening, though, with the Texans right now, at least heading into this, this is a crucial game against the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and we saw with Nick Foles going back in the line, he gave them a spark just like he did last postseason. You know, it's maybe not the right time to be facing the Philadelphia Eagles. So to me, if the Texans can go up there with a number two seed on the line, go up there, play a great football game, not what they did against the Jets. You know, you have to credit them for pulling it out at the end. Deshaun Watson, lead that drive, the DeAndre Hopkins, a nuke, one of the best receivers. And then the Texans making the stop on defense when they needed to. But they did not play. A, a great game up there. Got to credit the Jets and Sam Darnold, but come on, they should have like 
a team like the Jets, they should have put away a lot more easily. You can't against the defending Super Bowl champs who are still fighting for it. They have something to fight for now because Dallas lost. And they could potentially find themselves if Dallas loses again this weekend. You know, the Cowboys have to win their final game. And, you know, that could that could mean, uh, you know, again, kind of like Philadelphia sneaks into the playoffs somehow. I mean, they'll need a lot of help, but, you know, they, they could get in there. And so they're going to be targeting the Texans and, 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 and circling this matchup. And they're going to come out ready to play. So to me, it's going to show a lot. The Texans can go up there, take on a team that's a that's a defending Super Bowl champion in their city, in the city of brotherly love. They won't be showing any brotherly love, but they're going to be up there and fighting for their, you know, number two playoff seed here, which I think is extremely important because if the Texans are the third seed. I mean, probably the best that we will hope for is, is, uh, you know, a semifinal round at that point, because, you know, they're going to have to go up to New England because New England will be the two seed, right? So would you expect them to go up to New England in the Bill O'Brien era where they haven't been able to win? Yeah, of course they'd have a chance up there, and maybe this year they're more vulnerable. But New, New England in January, I'd be much more inclined to pick the Texans if they were here at Energy home game in January against a, a, a reeling Patriots team. Yeah, it's going to be a scary uh, situation if they get the three seed and then they have to face the Colts and they're back at NRG Stadium to face them again and the Colts have played them tough and it's just a bit to me that looks like a bad matchup so yeah you know this is this is a game I was just talking about this over on Locked On Texans we just did our crossover with Locked On Eagles host uh, Gino Camilleri and I was telling him I said you know I don't know what it's going to take for people to get excited about the Texans but maybe if they beat the Eagles in a convincing game, then if you're the Texans, if you're a Texans fan, you go, okay, we got a first round bye. It's the first time we've seen that in Houston for many NFL teams since 1993. Uh, they, they they don't even have to play in the first round. They just beat a team that won the Super Bowl last year. It's maybe not the same team, but the Eagles had just beat the Rams. So they finally beat somebody that we think is good. I mean, you know, I that's, I guess the hope this weekend is that, Maybe it excites and ignites the fan base a little bit. I, I don't know what it's going to take, but I mean, the big thing for me that I want to see is they need to get the running game going again. The defense needs to stop leaving holes all over the place like Swiss cheese in the passing game. Those are the two real uh, upgrades that they can make as they're going towards the playoffs. And, you know, hopefully maybe just maybe, the the uh, ghost of Deontay Foreman and Kiki QT can play can can add a little something to this offense and give you some hope that there's a couple more elements besides you know DeAndre Hopkins and a hope and a prayer. Well, that's pretty good though, still, isn't it? A hope and a prayer. DeAndre Hopkins has been working all season long, so uh, yeah. But you're right as far as the running game goes. Lamar Miller got injured in the last game, so. You know, coming up this game against Philadelphia, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens with the running game. But if Deontay Foreman can play, we've been talking about that since he was put back on the roster coming back from that injury last year. If he finally can start playing, what kind of contribution he'll be able to bring. And then Bill O'Brien said, oh, yeah, he's, he could play this upcoming week, which translates to, yeah, he probably will get a shot. Let's see what he can do. Hold on to the ball. Don't turn it over. And let's see how you're running. So, uh, hey, hey, if he's looked good in practice, it's time to get him in there. The Texans do need to have a strong running game. We know in the playoffs in January when the when the colder weather starts. I know if the Texans have a home game, that'll be at Energy Stadium. But if they they're going to have to go on the road most likely for 
you know, if they were to, if they were to win that game or if they're the three seed and, and they're at home for their first game, if they win that, then they're going to have to go on the road to uh, New England. So that would be, you know, a game where, again, you would need to have a strong running game, ball control, possession, time of possession, and, you know, let your uh, – have Deshaun Watson and New uh, uh, Hopkins and uh, Daenerys Thomas, and, and then you you have all those other options there. Kiki Kute, hopefully he can come back. He just seems to be like a phantom. You know, you see him for a minute and then he's gone. He's like a ghost. So, but he's a uh, – He's a special player when he can actually get on the field and play. So, yeah, if you, like you said, uh, it, 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 this is a key game coming up, and, and the Texans, uh, they're going to have to stick to what's brought them here. Stick to what – what is that one of Bum's saying? Stick to what brung you here or something like that? Yeah, or how about Rudy T? Just uh, if something's working, run it again. And when I say something's working, it's just Deshaun Watson. Where's DeAndre Hopkins? Run it again. Fight him again. Uh, hey, we're in the we're in the Christmas season, and I want to ask you a, a couple of questions because you know I don't know if we've ever talked it, but we've never had this conversation. But do you have a go to Christmas song? I mean, is there a song that's your favorite? A go to Christmas song? What are you talking about for like karaoke where you're out at night and you know doing that? No, just a favorite song. I mean, I, I I'll throw mine out for you. It's uh, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. Uh, Darlene Love, it's classic. Uh, he, she used to sing it all the time on David Letterman. Also, you know, if I'm if I'm going with the classic, I mean, I love the Christmas song by Nat King Cole. I'm a big Nat King Cole fan, so I don't know if you had like a go-to. Like, this is the one I'm, I always look forward to hear on the radio when I'm driving around on around Christmas. Oh, the Nat King Cole one you mentioned there, Chestnuts Rosanna, that's a great one. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. What about movie? Do you have a film? Favorite film? Christmas story? Uh... I mean, there are a lot of great films. For me, I mean, it gets back to like, you know, It's a Wonderful Life, you know, that, that type of all-time Christmas classic. You know, so, but I also like the Rankin and Bass specials. So you're talking about watching, you know, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, or of course, a Charlie Brown Christmas. Those type of Christmas specials that come on. Yeah, Miracle on 34th Street, I think, would be just that feels like about as traditional Christmas as it gets is Miracle on 34th Street. What about The Godfather? Isn't that a great Christmas film, too? Yeah, there's a lot of red blood. It's about uh, family. Yeah. Being back to the family for the holidays. So, say The Godfather. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you an underrated one, The Family Stone. Have you ever, ever seen that one? Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, that's that's a cool one. It's It's got uh, um, one of the Wilson brothers. It's got uh, Luke Wilson and Sarah Jessica Parker in there. And what, what's the girl from uh, Homeland? Oh, Claire Danes. Claire Danes is in it. It's got a great cast. Diane Keaton, Greg T. Nelson. It's pretty good. It's just kind of just a little bit of a sneaky, underrated Christmas movie if anybody's ever seen it. I guess the last thing I was going to ask you is, uh, did you have like a, a favorite uh, Christmas toy that you got when you were a kid? Well, I think there was always like for me, like for any kid, it's like when you get that that first, uh, you know, bicycle. And so that was a Christmas present. And I just remember being able to do that and ride that in the neighborhood. I thought for sure you were going to tell me, like, I got my Terry Poole autographed baseball bat. And, <laughs> uh, I, I would, I don't know if I've got one necessarily. Like, bicycle, yeah, sticks out for me. It was interesting, though, 
uh, this year we already did some family stuff and my sister was super excited because she collects nutcrackers and my other sister had found, she couldn't find it. She found an Astros nutcracker. So that was, that was like a, <laughs> like my, my one sister was just, you know, she couldn't be more excited about it. Does it do the Alex Bregman stare? It does the uh, Marwin Gonzalez. You can put it anywhere in the house and it always fits wherever you put it. What about an Astros elf on the shelf? Have they come up with that yet? That's Jose Altuve, right? You, you just, Candy, <laughs> just come over to your house and you have them sit yeah. wherever. I don't hey, know. by the way, while we're on holiday gifts and you've done this in the past and everything, for each Houston sports team, what would be like one thing that you would ask for each of those franchises? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, we usually do this. We used to be a quarterback for the Texans, but they've got that. Uh, I, I think the big thing for the Texans, um, I, I just need Deshaun. And we talked about this on Lockdown Texans, and, and I've, I've hit on this maybe a little bit too much, but it's I pr- feel pretty strongly about it. He just to give him that sixth sense uh, that some of the great quarterbacks, I'd like to see him make that next step. And there's a couple of things for me really with him. Get that sense of throw the ball away. Don't take the sack. He needs to learn that that one so he doesn't get hit. And the other one I'd like him to learn how to do is call timeout without Bill O'Brien. Is, is, is that a way? Can I gift him that? Is there a way I can do that? <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. You're asking Santa Claus. You want to go? You want to go with the Astros? What do you got for the Astros? Well, I yeah, I'd like to see them uh, add another top caliber starting pitcher or catcher. You know, one of those type of things to the roster here. I, I know they have Robinson Chirinos. I mean, not kind of decrying that, but I mean to have a JT Real Muto under this uh, you know tree this 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 Christmas or to add a you know top tier starter to go along with uh, Justin Berlander, Garrett Cole uh, that would that would be great so continue with these offseason acquisitions and building up the club into a, a world series contender again. And what about you? What about for the Rockets? The only thing I can think of right now is can we get Chris Paul some new legs? Can we get him some like uh maybe go to Germany and he gets you know we sew on some new like new German legs that you know Kobe Bryant you know, use those, I think for a couple of years, his last couple of years after, you know, he had all the injuries. I just, I, I look at Chris Paul and, you know, as good as James Harden has been the last few games, Chris Paul, you know, he, he still does stuff. It's not like he's bad, but he's, he's no longer a superstar this year. I mean, he, the last four games, I think he's like three for 10, three for 10, three for 10, two for whatever. I mean, he's still not shooting the ball worth a darn. And that, that, that's, that hurts. I mean, you know, I'm sure Daryl Morey is, might be, you know, he might be hoping under his tree next year as like a Chris Paul uh, retirement letter or something like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that, that's, that's troublesome. You know, we talked about it a lot last week. I didn't push it too much this week, but yeah, that, that's the big thing is Chris Paul getting, uh, getting the fountain of youth or something. I don't know what's going on. Well, hopefully, yeah, you you can find the fountain of youth there because yeah, the Rockets are going to make a deep run in the playoffs. They need to have a a healthy Chris Paul. That's what we usually hope for. Is as long as he can be healthy throughout the entire duration of the playoffs. I think that's all we got for this one. Um, just a reminder. I also put up uh, same day as we're putting this one up. There's a interview with Jeremy Branham, the voice of the Houston Cougars, the top twenty five ranked Houston Cougars, the undefeated ten and zero Houston Cougars. I mean, they're legit. Check that out. Um, also, just a big rest in peace, Laverne DeFazio. We're going to miss you. 
Penny Marshall, uh, one of our former guests, Jake Reiner. I texted him today. I thought of him as soon as I heard the news because, you know, for those of you who don't know, I mean, Penny Marshall, of course, she directed Big and Awakenings. And for all of us sports fans, A League of Their Own, uh, one of the great baseball movies, I think. But I, I texted uh, Jake because Jake Reiner's dad, Rob, was married to her back in the 70s, and they have five grandkids together. And I'm sure it was a huge loss for their family. So rest in peace, Laverne DeFazio, a.k.a. Penny Marshall. Have a great Christmas, everybody, if we don't talk to you before then. Thanks again for listening, and if you're new to the show, subscribe to Houston Sports Talk on iTunes, Stitcher, or the TuneIn app. You can keep up with this show and my daily Locked On Texans podcast on Twitter and Facebook or by going to HoustonSportsTalk.net or LockedOnTexans.com.